We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. I'm Sharon Kleina. The theme of the show behind almost seven years is power of water. Power of water on this planet Earth is vital to every walk of life. And the hydraulic cycle must be understood that Earth is, Earth is consumed by 70% water, 99% of the land is infused with water, even desert sands have water, 1% to 4% of the atmosphere is a water vapor. Our Earth is water. 3% of our Earth's water is fresh, but only 1% is usable and becoming contaminated and changing every day. And I say every day to everyone that I work with and throughout the world on my show that you must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day, fresh water. Don't count the coffee, don't count the juice, don't count the tea, water within a 24-hour period, 8 to 10. Now, when you sip the water, you're not going to get the full benefit. You must drink the water down. So every time you're going to have a glass of water, drink the glass of water to try to get it to absorb into the body. Now, today I want you to listen to this. Men are 60 to 75% water. Women are 55 to 65% water. A newborn baby is 75% water. People that are obese, overweight, are 45% water. Lean, the lean muscle of your body is 75% water. Your brain is 80% water. Your tears at the surface of your eye, at the tear film, are 98% water. What is dry eye? Skin. 68% water, what is dry skin? Blood, 70% water. Body fat is 10% water. Your bone, 22% water. Body fluids are 75 to 98% water. Water in the cells are two-thirds of the body's water. Water outside the cells is one-third of total body water. You, as an adult, are made up of 50 trillion cells of water. See why I take water serious in my research and water serious every day. The earth is changing. And as you've been all knowing about what's going on with the climate change, 
you must learn to study every day what you can do to be a healthier person. You must learn that every day is your Olympics to be a healthy, healthy Olympics. So that's why this show is so exciting. We've had the greatest guests on here from all over the world. We've been in Kenya. We've been in Holland. We've been in Sweden. We've been all over. And these, the guests come on to help us learn. It's like our little laboratory of listening what you might need to be reminded of or something you've never heard before. Today, I am really pleased to tell you that we've got Dr. Charles Parker, and he's a neuroscientist, he's a psychiatrist, and an author. And today, we're going to talk about his book, ADHD Medication Rules, and I can hardly wait to learn more about that because I've had my own outlook and research on some of the things of dehydration with that. Our second guest is Anne Logue. She's going to be talking to us about, she's an author, and she's going to talk to you about what's happening on the current times with your savings account and your investments and where you're coming from, which I'm sure a lot of you have a lot of stress trying to figure out what is happening every day with your planning, your family business planning. Uh, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. As I told you, the surface of your eye is 98% water. What is dry eye? What is vision impairment What when you go to blindness? It's dehydration, water. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, that supplement of tissue culture-grade water. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Parker. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Parker, are you with us? Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you for joining us. I hope we can get a lot in in such a short amount of time because I was really looking forward to your being a guest today. Tell our guest today what ADHD stands for. Well, ADHD is uh, very commonly misunderstood, and people really, and generally speaking, don't know what it is. Even the diagnostic code is mixed up, so it's perfectly reasonable that your 
audience may not know what ADHD is, but it's been many things. When I was a kid, they used to call it minimal brain dysfunction, of all things, and you actually had to have neurologic signs to be diagnosed with ADHD when, when I was a kid back in 1968, entering my psych residency. And what happened was it's evolved. AD is attention deficit. HD, hyperactivity disorder. So you've got attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and that's because people couldn't make up their minds. They're looking at this diagnosis completely on the surface. We're not dealing human beings for who they are. We're dealing and treating human beings based on how they look on the surface. So me as a doctor, I'm looking across the chair, across, I don't do it myself because I'm totally against this concept, but what happens to thousands of offices around the United States, the doctor looks at the patient and says, you're hyperactive, that's the HD, hyperactivity disorder. Another doctor will look and say, you're looking out the window when I'm talking to you, you're inattentive, you have attention deficit disorder. The two diagnostic subsets for attention deficit disorder are hyperactive and inattentive. And then there's a, there's a combined subset. But all of that is based on, I don't know what color your hair is, Sharon, but the bottom line is it's like diagnosing a human being by the color of their hair and saying, this is what we're going to do for you. You know, Doctor, I uh, will tell you, I have a background in studying dehydration. And and what is happening today? You know, once that baby arrives in the delivery room, it left a pocket of water and something began to develop. What do you? What is some of your research finding? Because this is becoming very common today that people have attention deficit or attention deficit hyper disorder. It's coming from different diagnoses that that person is is having a lot of challenges um, and and not if they don't detect it soon enough. That's right. What happens is it's, it's all in the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex is that front part of your brain that manages executive function. So the thing that separates you and me from cows and cats and dogs, forgetting the hydration of the brain piece for just a moment, just looking at terms of functional behaviors, what we can do that the cows and cats and dogs don't do, and we've done for millennia, is we can sort reality and have a working memory. So here's the problem. Let me fix the problem, have a solution, and carry that answer into the next day. It's three parts. Problem, solution, carrying it the next day. That is the memory actually working. So there's a working memory. Let's let's repeat that again. Problem? Problem, solution, solution. and then remembering it to the next day. So dogs and cats, I mean, they may, or, or a cow may remember hey, that field was really good, I'm going to go and eat the grass over there, I'll try and get over there tomorrow. But that's about it. What you and I can do and what your listeners can do is like, here's a problem, this is a stain, I'm not going to do this again, I've got to correct this for tomorrow, and I've got to tell my kids not to do it. You know, and what happens is the communication process, but we can actually fix things. It's the reason we have A.C. in the summer, heat in the winter, good cars, and California freeways. It's all based on find it, fix it, and carry it into the next day. Now, are there a lot of people, you know, I'm hearing so much more about this than ever in history. Are there a lot of people that grow into adults that it was never detected? 
Absolutely. What goes on is the whole criteria for understanding executive function has changed a great deal. That's the reason I wrote this book. We need to have a new set of rules to deal with something that's so poorly understood that we're dealing with human beings based on how they look instead of what their inherent biology is. This is where you and I are together, Sharon. You, I don't know you at all, but I could just in a few introductory remarks that you've made, we're partners on this mission, and that is you're interested in the biology of function, how the body functions, and you didn't say it explicitly, but you implied it, how the brain functions vis-a-vis the body, and water is a component in the complexity of that interaction. No question about it. No question. So then what happens is what's going on in psychiatry most of the time, what's going on in mental health in general, is people do not pay attention to the biology of the mind and body. They pay attention to how people look on the outside and mainly how they feel. Are they sad? Are they mad? Are they worried? Whatever. It doesn't have 50% of what we do is cognitive. What I'm just telling you with working memory is really cognitive thinking activity. And people don't pay attention and even ask cognitive questions in an ordinary interview unless you're really completely impaired and over in the direction of Alzheimer's. Now, Dr. Parker, do you find that a lot of people that have not been diagnosed with this, are there different degrees? I call things, I call uh, barometer to uh, different stages of everything. I I don't think anything happens overnight. Are there different barometers to detect so people would understand what to look for at different times of life? Yes, ma'am. The whole first five chapters in my book are directly related to we need to redefine what the targets are. Mm -hmm. And the targets are, if working memory is the incapacity, how is the working memory um, desynchronized and somewhat broken, and how can we fix it? We've got to redefine our targets. That's your whole message with your audience. Friends, we need to redefine the target regarding water. I'm saying we need to redefine the target regarding brain function in the prefrontal cortex. We need to know what's going on before we even set out to try to throw medicine at it and fix it. Good for you, throw medicine at it. And that's my whole idea is get people don't run to the medicine cabinet, put your feet on the ground, and become uh, health Olympics. Um, now, back to the, the barometer of these stages. Um, when a person is maybe, maybe, that has possibly an attention deficit, yep. uh, do they get that barometer stage first? Or do they, are, they, are they compensating? Are they overcompensating because the person's working so hard to deal with this deficit attention-wise? Right. Do they become more hyper well, along here's the way? The, here's the thing. It's a very, very good question because I know what you're struggling with right now, and that is how do you explain it when it didn't look like it was back here but it is now right here? Did mm-hmm. they have it all along? Did they not have it? What was going on? Well, here's the way attention deficit disorder becomes really visualized easily. And honestly, I have to tell you right now, I don't even like the term attention deficit disorder, and I don't use it with my clients. I used it throughout the book because I was trying to embrace the community of, of perplexed individuals who were throwing the term around, so that's why it's on the front of the book. Well, you know, yeah, it's out there. So what can you do? Right. But here's the, 
I call it, I'm thinking about it as, as Russell Barkley and a number of my colleagues are. I'm not the only guy in town thinking this way. And that is executive function disorder. Basically, it has to do with the functionality of the brain. Now, what is, why does it show up in one place and not show up in another place? Well, it's really simple when you think about it. And the byline on my, the subtitle on my book is Brain Science and Common Sense. If we can translate this science that seems so arcane and so obtuse and turn it into everyday language and it's common sense, why wouldn't we use common sense to address a biologic problem? But anyway, back to it. So what happens is a person, you and I, right now, we don't know each other, but we're forming a working relationship. We're talking together. It's a new reality for you, and it's a new reality for me. I don't know you. You don't know me. We're actually working to really redefine our levels of communication. We're thinking while we're talking, and we're actually growing together in the process of this changing reality that's going on in our lives mutually right at this moment. Now, what happens is people who have ADD get mixed up with change. They are, in fact, developmentally arrested, and it can occur at any time in their life depending on the complexity of the reality that they're dealing with. So what happens when reality changes Now, let's back up for a second, um, okay, to explain that, because you remember you, you know you're so close to the subject. So the person that, uh, now, do, were they born with this? Yeah, well, let me start. I, I, I was just going to elaborate on it because I okay. know it was a little, a little deep there. I apologize. That's okay. What happens is we can be born with it, but because reality is not changing at a rate beyond our control, it may not express itself until you get into a different reality later in life. Like you might be able to handle school, grade school, like the transitions that it occurs in school are, we see it happen frequently, much more in sixth grade, even if it didn't show up in school. Now, can I say something there, Doctor? I've had situations where people have said, and, and follow me for a second, when a person's r- r- growing in a family, where the family's management style is very organized, and the person from birth is in this organized family style living. And then when the young person gets to a certain time where the family isn't always there so much is when some of this begins to show up more because they didn't realize how managed they were, let's say disciplined and focused on how the family lived, and they were around that management style that became a habit, and all of a sudden they're out on their own, and it showed up more that they had an attention deficit because they're out there on their own. Sharon, you talk like you've read my book. No. <laughs> I study dehydration, doctor. All right, but here's the thing. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a subchapter in the book called Those Wrecked by Success. Now, Freud, I'm also a Freudian psychoanalyst. I don't okay. do it anymore. I took seven additional years of training on top of Child and adult psychiatry become a Freudian uh-huh. psychoanalyst. And he wrote a book, a, a paper in post-Victorian Vienna called Those Wrecked by Success. And he thought it was all because of unconscious conflicts. Uh, the person had achieved an Oedipal victory in achieving this level of success and undid themselves because of guilt, <coughs> pardon me, guilt over achieving this level of success. Well, I think Freud was wrong in that particular case because what was going on in post-Victorian Vienna is what's going on in 2012 
here in Virginia Beach, right where you are in California. A person can rise up. By the way, I'm in Oregon. Oh, Oregon, I beg your pardon. <laughs> okay, I said freeways. I've got, I've got to correct you. <laughs> yeah, yeah stand, I stand corrected. <laughs> so, and they are different places, no question. Yeah, they are, definitely. <laughs> so, so what happens is when you go into a different reality, if the thing is, even if you're promoted, you can go into a different reality, increased variables, decreased structure, no clear focus is what you just described with somebody you knew. That's what happens when a person is, in fact, promoted many times. They go into a different reality, so they can have no real clear symptoms all along because they were coping. So then they go attention deficit to trying to uh, deal with the person themselves knows there's something that's a little different, but they're they're adjusting to it. And then all of a sudden, is it possible that the hypertension comes because they're over trying to compensate? Absolutely. Because they, okay, there we go. Too many variables. And now, and there's a lot of people I'm sure walking around with this that are absolutely very healthy, very almost normal, but they've learned how to deal with it, not having any diagnosis of ADHD, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, can I bring this up to you? Uh, I'm going to bring up, I'm going to have two things to you today. Um, How much research have you done with ophthalmologists and refractive eye surgeons on ADHD and the fact that the eyes are, they're having trouble with their eyes too? Uh, I haven't done any research on it, but okay. I've heard about it. I know about it, and yes, we're. I'm because very interested. Because the eye, in retinal, when retinal they brought pathology. me, yeah, when they brought me in to study dry eye that leads to blindness, mm-hmm. and I had been studying dehydration of the body and the skin. Okay, and then I determined that melanoma is going to be taking more lives than anything in time because we're getting too dehydrated. Then when they brought me in to study the uh, the eyes, I, I was shocked, doctor. The eyes, when the eyelid is open, there's a challenge there with the dehydration at the surface of the eye because when the baby in the womb, in the womb, the baby, uh, the eyes and the brain connect at the same moment. So therefore, when the baby arrives in the delivery room and that eyelid opens, all of a sudden, you can imagine what is happening to the brain to compensate for the eyelid being open, and then all of a sudden, here begins this baby's lifestyle and choices. But there are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, so therefore, there's a relationship there to be studied, I believe, and uh, what is happening with a lot of these functions of people that are very challenged to, with AD or ADHD or whatever it is. We have, you can tell the world better than I. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of wanting to deal with it. And then all of a sudden they're overcompensating, n- not using your perfect word, common sense, to deal with things, and then all of a sudden they're finding, oh, my gosh, something's wrong with me, and next thing you know they become manic-depressant because they're so compensating. Next thing you know they become bipolar and then maybe schizophrenic or whatever, but along those barometers there, the person's trying to pick up on a normalcy and being normal to them, for them, and then all of a sudden these barometers are happening. Am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. In fact, I mentioned bipolar illness. Numerous times in the book, it's the current wastebasket term, and the reason it's a wastebasket term when people don't know what to do with somebody is because our 
medical profession, generally speaking, no disrespect to them, it's the only standard they have. I'm not saying anything against the no, doctors. No, you're not. Nobody will. I'm saying something about the diagnostic code itself. The diagnostic code is limited because it's not paying attention to modern brain science. There we so go. So it's paying attention to moods. And anybody, a farmer who has no education whatsoever, no, no disrespect to farmers, I worked in an agrarian economy for years. I love them to death. A lot of, of the wealthiest than I people. Am. I met a wealthy, one of the wealthiest men I've ever met in my life. Never learned to to read. Yeah. So the point <laughs> is, I, but I'm just trying to say, so, if you're out on the farm yeah. and you purported to not know anything, yeah. the issue is, pardon me, how do you put all that together? It is really common sense. A person can say, well, they have mood swings. They're up and they're down. Let me see. What does that mean? Bipolar. Can you imagine how often people make that misdiagnosis? Exactly. It is exceedingly common. And what do they you know, do? How many stabilizers. Can I, okay, how many... Uh, we're, miss, we're not getting the individual to learn how to take uh, common sense with their health. And the common sense, they're not using common sense. They're not taught common sense. Number one, they're not taught to drink enough water and how to drink it, but they're not taught what foods to eat. We're learning now about the dark green vegetable stuff and, and better diets, but they're not learning the common sense of all this. They're wanting it to be more complicated so that when the person comes in upset about what is happening, the doctor is trying so hard, so, so challenged with their background to help them out because the person doesn't go to the doctor until they're pleading. Then all of yep. a sudden, the doctor says, well, I just happen to have something, and we'll see if it works, and, and we're back to the medicine cabinet That's again. exactly what's going on. That is what's going on across the United States. And the across United the world. States is the global yeah. thought leader in the world. You made the yeah. point, exactly. So we got the global thought leaders on cognitive function and thinking. Let me say, Sharon, to you, we are not as collectively as a medical group in the United States, and we're the... The, the global thought leaders, we are not thinking sufficiently about the process of thinking. Back to, We're the not common, thinking sense. We're about back to thinking. that common sense. We're not thinking about thinking. Yeah, and yeah. common sense is a, is a ticket in. There's a whole lot of neuroscience, brain science back there. But if we start thinking about thinking, we're going to pay attention to brain science because brain science has a lot to do with the thinking process. Mm-hmm. Well, we need amazing. to catch that baby in that delivery room. Yeah, right. No, no, it's, and it's not. It's not studying. Uh, it's not going into taking. Uh, going into their really, let's say, their way of thinking. What is happening to the ba- to the baby once it begins its lifestyle with how much water it's drinking, its digestive system uh, to detoxify. Digestive means to detoxify. I always I I had the United Nations on here. One of the heads was called it well digestion and your sanitation. And I say said it say it the way it is. You've got to go to the toilet. You've got to flush the toilet. We wash our hands. We have a digestive system that must that must be healthy. Then you go over to what you're eating. Now we're learning there's ways to eat. Now, have you been learning and what you've been studying about the diet and some of this that might help well, I, with changing waiting, the diet? I was hoping you might get around to uh, that because my favorite question, as I've been board certified four different times in my career. I have two active current board certifications that I didn't lapse, let lapse. I've been 
to conferences. I've been practicing for 43 years. My favorite question now is not, do you love your mother? My favorite question now is, how many times a day do you go number two? Good for you. And when I get so much mileage out of number two, right. it's totally connected with brain function. And if we don't get all that stuff together, then we're going to miss the target that we're shooting for. And that's why it may sound odd. Why is a psychiatrist talking to a person who's a, a water a devotee? Well, the two things actually do work together. There's no question about it. No question about it. So, yeah, I'm sorry that we don't have more time to talk. Yeah, we have got about five minutes if you want to take it. I can do it. Okay. Now back to your uh, uh, getting people. What, what is a diet? Because I truly believe, doctor, that you know our prisons are full of people who have been challenged in their life that yes. really didn't intend on being there. Yeah. And I look at anybody standing on the street with a sign, I need money to buy food. I don't even look at them like they're really intending to be there. They're there for a purpose of whatever happened to their life. They might have gone another direction. Where have, what have you found about the diet? Well, the, what we do is there are so many platitudes and so many people talking about so many things out there. Gluten, if you drive down the West Coast, and that would include Oregon all the way down California, all the restaurants are paying attention to gluten-free. Mm-hmm. In our office, we measure these things from a laboratory. We get the data. We don't just speculate, and we don't do, uh, you know, the, the type of diet where you're actually going to work, work your way through and do a process of elimination, try to find out what it is, because an elimination diet can't cover all the variables associated with the GI system. I, I am not an advocate of an elimination diet. But anyway, back to it. In my office, <clears throat> my number one problem that I see in my office, I call it the New Jersey trifecta. When they have a problem with their transit time from the mouth to the south, all this is on my website, by the way, Dr. Charles Parker. If you just go to the website, the book is there, the transit time thing I'm telling you, all this stuff. I've been writing for seven years on the Internet just putting this information out there. Transit time is from the mouth of the south. If they've got an aberrant transit time, it's either too fast or too slow, which is the whole thing we were talking about, number two question a moment ago. Then the issue is the New Jersey trifecta comes up, and that is in this order in my office is milk, eggs, and wheat. Wheat is number three in terms of the problems, not number one. So what happens is you could be doing a quote-unquote elimination diet and get a person off of gluten, completely miss eggs and milk and have a very significant deterioration and think, well, they're not allergic to anything because they didn't, have a, they didn't get better when they were off of gluten. And now, I'm going to back you up real quick because we are almost out of time. Are you asking them to consider eliminating milk and eggs? Only if I measure it. I don't do it capriciously. I only do okay. it with data. Okay. What about yeah. vegetables? Because there's a lot. Have you read the China study? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the other one was uh, to, uh, to prevent heart disease. Yeah, with Dr. I've read all those, yeah. Okay, right. we they had them on our show, too. And well, I have Dr. Yeah. Philip Payton, who's an ophthalmologist, a member of my team, who's mm-hmm. in private practice. And, and he is a believer. A lot of his patients, doctor, have gotten improved. Uh, who He helped them learn more about their diet. Yeah. to improve their health, whether it be... Because people go into an ophthalmologist 
for eye checkups and eye problems, but maybe they have arthritis, maybe they have heart disease, maybe they're diabetic. So the, the, that type of doctor sees a lot in the eyes, and that's why I brought up to you the diet. But we've got about one minute left, and I'll let you take say to the world what you want to say. Well, thank you. First of all, thanks, Sharon, for having me on. It's a privilege working with individuals on the same path. It's a, it's a privilege working with anybody that wants to listen to me, to tell you the truth. But oh, the bottom you. line here is I'd love people to go over and take a look. The book's available, uh, pre-orders. Uh, it's for less than 10 bucks on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those things, they can get it on my website. If they go to store at drcharlesparker.com, mm-hmm. and they can go look at the books. They can look at Transit Time. They can look at what I've been writing about. I've got another site called Core Psych where I have over uh, 350 posts on all these details. Mm-hmm. So we've been, we want people to become educated, and we appreciate the privilege of Now, before you go it. real quickly, I've got one question only. I yes, almost forgot it here. I looked down. Yes. When a person has ADHD, is that a person who can live almost hell up? He can be normally doing fine, didn't know he had it, but lots of energy. The energy is running their whole life? That could be a manifestation of ADHD, yes. So they want their energy to do everything before the brain is doing it. Yeah, well, you know, I'm being very careful because one of the things that's happening, it's such a complex problem. To say any one symptom is that problem is is really practicing cookie-cutter medicine, which gets away from the complexity. And I've got a blog post that has 171 contributory factors okay. that could create a picture of ADHD. Can I have you back on someday? Cause sure. Because uh, I think it. a lot of people will listen to the show and have there will be uh, some questions I'll want to ask. Can, uh, and love we'll it. have Polly Featherton see if we can t- take a, some of your precious time again. Please, well, I, I want to thank you for being on today. I agree. I really enjoyed it, and there's a lot to learn here. And uh, I think there's a lot that we can all do to help each other with it, too. Ma'am, thank you very much, ma'am. You have a nice day. You too, thank you. Be well. Bye. Uh, We learned a lot, but not enough. There's so much more to learn. And uh, ADHD or AD, uh, there's a lot going on out there that we need to use some common sense with our health. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Do you complain about dry eye or blurriness, sit at the computer, or you get drowsy? Nature's Tears Eye Mist is that supplement to that 98% water at the surface of your eye. The eye drop can dehydrate it. Did you know that Nature's Tears Eye Mist, before you apply the eye drop, can be the hydration to supplement the tear film, the surface of the eye, very all natural, and then apply the eye drop? If you've had LASIK, oh, do you complain about dry eyes? A lot of people do. Uh, during the day, do you feel like you're losing your activity and getting too tired? It's because of dry eye. You're dehydrated. Well, listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Ann Loke. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Anne, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank well, you. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, I was very fascinated to hear uh, what, you're, uh, what you've been doing. You're, how long have you been involved in, uh, well, tell us a little bit first about your background and how you got involved in becoming an investment counselor. Well, um, I worked in, you know, I have a very traditional finance background. I have an undergraduate degree in economics and I have an MBA and I worked for a series of investment banks. And one of the things that really struck me is that the investment business has maybe been made a little more complicated than it needs to be. But another thing that really struck me is that there are a lot of people who need to make decisions about their own future, about, say, saving for college or saving for retirement, and they're sometimes afraid to because they think that the whole world of finance is kind of moving against them and is maybe, you know, promoting things that are unhealthy or things that are bad for the environment or things that are causing upheaval in different parts of the world. And so that led me to write the book Socially Responsible Investing for Dummies, which was published by Wiley. And I've also written Emerging Markets for Dummies and two other books. I'm kind of like the queen of the dummy series, I feel. Well, don't you think that there, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, I'm going to say something. <laughs> this is interesting. I just had a doctor on who is a psychiatrist, but he, uh-huh. he writes books on um, scientific brain common sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you and I will talk about some common sense here. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody, I've always been concerned, uh, I created a multi-million dollar company here mm-hmm. and, and in research, and I found myself is there anybody, when anybody thinks they're so smart, and I'm scared stiff, because <laughs> I think we all have to learn something, don't you? Well, I think this is a really unusual time in the financial markets. I, mean, I think the, the, so, Anne. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and you do need to be a little careful of that, because the joke is always that the most dangerous words in, in the English language are this time is different. And yet we have a few things going on that are just completely unprecedented. And the biggest one, I'd say, is what's happening in Europe, where we're looking at the possible breakdown of a common currency. And the whole European Union experiment was unprecedented. I mean, we've never had anywhere in the world major economies having a unified currency like this. And so this is just the problems in Europe are something that nobody has any kind of basis for for knowing what is likely to happen next. Um, Most likely there will be some kind of reasonable resolution because the economic problems of a breakup of the Europe would be so devastating, but 
people do stupid things. Um, you know, and I think just, just, just to give people a really basic idea of what this means, I mean, suppose you were renting an apartment and paying your lease in euros, and if the euro breaks up, what do you give your landlord? Can you give your landlord drachmas? Can your landlord insist on being paid in marks? And this is kind of where we just don't know, right? Because your incentive is going to be to give the landlord the cheapest currency, and the landlord's going to want the best one. So you're asking for trouble. And um, here in the United States, we have not had on our business news or enough or our regular news. People are watching these network television mm-hmm. uh, shows mm-hmm. and listening to network newscasts for a moment a day. They are not hearing what you just said, really. You know, one of the things that, that I, I like to tell people is a lot of public radio, public television stations run international news. Um, you know, here, I, I'm in Chicago, we actually have two public television stations, which I know that's a little unusual, but one regularly runs BBC World News. Yeah, um, I've watched and, it, yeah. Yeah, which is good. It gives you a more, more a broader perspective. The other one, there is a cable news service called Megahertz Network, um, MHZ, and some of their programming is online. Some of it is um, through some public television station. Some of it's available through Roku if you have a Roku box for Netflix. Um, but Megahertz publishes English language news from all over the world. And it's really interesting because you can watch, you know, German news or French news or Indian news. And I just find it fascinating to get some of the different perspectives that people in other countries have. Yeah, see, I, I watch those too. And I'm going to ask you today mm-hmm. on some of your theories. Uh, on this, uh, you did touch on something the listeners should be thinking about. We here in the United States got caught up in um, in a campaign, mm-hmm. and Governor Romney kept saying, "It's it's the economy, it's the economy, it's the economy. Beware, it's going to be the economy." Well, that's not what they're thinking about, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're more into the what's going on with their everyday uh, effects of their personal life and motion. Mm-hmm. What do you think a person should do? Because we're going to be caught up here in the United States and a very serious times going on in the next few years of a lot of new surprises here, too. Yeah, I mean... And during I, I, elections, they don't let those surprises come. Everything is held back until after the election. It's been going on <laughs> from the beginning of time. Am I wrong, yeah. Anne? <laughs> we're, we're finding out a lot. But there's people, Anne, who go to work every day, who leave early, come home late because of the traffic. They don't have time to listen to the business news. No. They don't write family business plans. And mm-hmm. our country and the rest of those countries would not have been in trouble if they were writing business plans in, in those governments running the, do- the, the, the dollar bill. I think one of the things is that as Americans, um, we have been the largest economy, the most powerful nation for so long that it's almost been a case where if you're watching the U.S. news, you are learning what's important to the world. And that is changing. The U.S., the interesting thing, of course, is that when you look at problems in Europe, when you look at the the political and economic transition in China, we're actually still in great shape. It's all relative, right? Um, but some of the question is, is what happens next? And I think for, uh, for 
What I would tell an average investor is one of the things you do start need to thinking about is diversifying your investments internationally. And it's there's, there's a couple ways to now do that that are relatively second. easy. And back up for a second here, oh, sorry, right, because you just said something. That I, oh, okay. I knew that was going to come here here okay. any day this next few weeks. Okay. And you just said it. Oh. Now, we are, we seem to be, um, okay for the moment, mm-hmm. and that's we're but we're on a we're on a tightrope with that one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's swinging. The tightrope is swinging. Now, on the uh, economy of our country, uh, let's call it a tightrope today. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I say that? Sure. <laughs> okay, sure. we're on a tightrope, and we're all on there just swing and back and forth. And you're, every, all these people that are so busy in their lives, they're going to leave it up to who to take care of it for them. And then all of a sudden, they wake up one day and they've, oh my God, I, my, my, everything has gone up to where I can't afford to go for pizza anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to go buy that motorcycle anymore. I can't afford to put in the car to get to the children to their gymnastics lessons anymore. The gas. This is where our country is not being proactive in. You know, our forefathers were much more proactive than we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, I think, you know. And I don't know how old yeah. you are, <laughs> but I'm 70. And okay. I find myself in all my years, and I've been investing since my 20s. Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at what I do, I write a business plan. I write a family plan. I, I try to keep do the best I can. Now, what is a business plan even in a family or in a country or a budget uh, with, uh, with a company? It's mean you're writing. It's kind of like you studied your roadmap for the year. Mm-hmm. And people forget those plans do give you a hike. How am I going to take my hike? And it doesn't mean the hike is going to go that way. It just means you studied it before the hike began. You were being proactive. And you, do you believe that we are in this country are studying that hike? Really? I was just listening to the chairman of the board of Honeywell. He's the CEO and chairman. I was listening to the chairman uh, uh, and CEO of UPS. And I could go on and on, a few of the different and Blackwell investments. And is it Blackwell? I think it is. So anyway, um, talking, they're all CEOs about we're not being proactive. We're just thinking it's almost like we have too many casinos, too much lottery. We're influenced by, well, we'll see how it falls. Or if it doesn't fall that way, we've got to throw some more money at it and pray that that money will work. You know, and something I've learned, and what have you been learning in your studies, you can't throw enough money at something to work if you didn't have a plan. I think that's true, and I, I think that, um, you know, for, for many years, a lot of people have had the luxury of not needing to plan because things have worked out, um, and definitely when you have an economy that's growing rapidly, it's a little easier for things to work out. I think for a lot of people, the, the first thing they just need to do is figure out, like, what their priorities are. Is it saving for retirement? Is it having a certain type of house? Is it having money and time for certain hobbies? Is it education of children? Is it saving for a mission trip or something like that? But I think if people can sit down as a family and say, okay, these three things, this is what we care about. It's, you know, and they, they can be a mix of very serious things and maybe a mix of things that are more frivolous. But if you narrow it down and say, okay, my big hobby is going to be golf, then it's a little easier to make other decisions. Like, we are not going to take 
um, a, an overseas trip because we want to golf this vacation, something like that, where at least you have it, you're not trying to do too much, and you're able to set plans and you're able to start working towards something. Now, what about the other one you missed out on? Of course, uh, um, you missed on one. What is our what is the what is the proactive plan in case mm-hmm. we start having the refrigerator break down, the mm-hmm. golf cart break down, uh, a certain the car <laughs> got oh, yeah. in a crash and the insurance company didn't want to replace. Well, you've got to also put in there not only the things that you're fancying, but the things that are called risks. Oh, you do that? Yes. I mean, you do need, because that's life, right? I mean, the appliances are always going to go, and they're always going to go like two days before you have a party. Or you get sick, and your insurance company wants to not agree with your illness, and you've got to put some money out of your pocket. Now, this is something our country when they did, when they approved a triple A rating with mortgages and let that regulation go that way for the first time in the world, and they didn't think about how long they should allow that to happen, they just let it go. And what we're doing today now as a country, as a, a society of people, as like you've said, and many have others have said, we influence. We have a lot of influence. It's like mm-hmm. uh, the prime minister of. Um, uh, of uh, China said that we're a very resilient society, but I don't know how long that resilience is going to last. And and what is your thinking? Because people are going to start having things are going prices in grocery stores and gas and and cars and materials and labor and everything's going to go up. Do you really think the Americans are going to be able to be the influence to the rest of the world and the business world in investing? And coming here to invest in us when we're not come and invest in America anymore. If we're thinking, if we're not, we can't even write a budget. Well, I mean, it, it, it's um, you know a lot again depends on what happens in Europe, what happens in China, because it could be that we're going to be the strongest of a weak lot. I don't mm-hmm. think we should be counting on that, though. I don't, that that's not any kind of, of basis for a strategy. For for a lot of people. You know, we do have a history in this country of thrift, and we have a history of hard work. And if we can get back to that, you know, get back to thinking about things that our grandparents and great-grandparents did, whether it's a little bit of cooking, learning how to make soup, learning how to do mending, learning how to live in a smaller house, Um, you know, if you look at the way houses have gone, or thinking about less expensive ways to do holiday celebrations. We have a culture that that has all of that information, and sometimes it's just a, a, a matter of stepping back and saying, well, you know, you know, maybe asking your parents what were birthday parties like when they were kids, mm-hmm. and are there ways that we could redo that? Well, let's and, say you have all the money in the world, and then all of a sudden, and you've known people because if you're, you're an analyst too. You've known people who had all the money in the world. They did everything right, and then when this thing went, to, uh, when this economy took a change, and those companies started uh, letting people go, that yeah. because of the retirement plans and the cost of labor, and, and during the worst times, that these people lost six-figure jobs, 401ks, health insurances, and heck with a house. I mean, it went. Uh, yep. You you watched it because your background had to see what was going on right here under in the United States since 2007, 
all the surprises because they thought their 401k was the best investment they could have. And Anne, what is your thinking? Don't you, do you think that our, cause our forefathers did not have all 401k investing? No, I mean, and I think this, this gets back to the whole principle of diversification, which is, you know, it's such a basic part of investing, and it makes such intuitive sense, the whole don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. And I think that means that, yes, you invest in stocks through a 401K, but you also have some savings outside of that, that, yes, you can make a great income from your job, and, and for most people that is the way they'll make most of their money, but you do have to have an emergency fund in case that job is lost. That, yeah, you may be able to sell your house to, you know, move to a less expensive place when you retire, but you should also consider that if you can't sell your house, is it a place you can afford to maintain? Yeah, we're almost um, out of time, Anna, and I'm going to ask you something which has got to be on sure. your mind as an analyst today like mine. Um, is I've been an investor since my 20s, and I just told okay. you I was 70. Um, now, what about, uh, you've had to be thinking, too, about what's going on in New Jersey and New York with mm-hmm. these individuals who are the time of their life, and that was their home. That was their, all their money went into their home. They're probably mm-hmm. on Social Security. They're probably on retirement plans, some of them, many of them. And all of a sudden, and what are these people going to do uh, with their lives? Can you imagine the stress and exhaustion of trying to figure out where to go from here. I yeah, I, I look at what's been happening on the East Coast, and it is just um, it's amazing just the amount of damage. Where there is hope, though, is that people have been banding together and neighbors have been neighborly instead of... Well, trying to help them get the boards out of there and maybe rebuild if they can build. Yeah. I, I'll mention to this one girl's... Um, they're Janie and Julian Jordan, two sisters over in Rockaways, New York, where they got out immediately, probably very much like the type of person you are, Anne, got out there on the street and began to organize all these people. And, the word and got that, out, I mean, and they started getting those boards out from underneath those houses as fast yeah. as they could, getting people to help people, bringing people from in, because their houses are what all they've got. Many people don't have more than one house. And their investment, like you said today, is in their home. And probably, and of course they probably won't lose their social security over it all and their retirement plan over it all, but they did lose a major investment. Now we've only got a minute left. How would you like to leave the audience about what you've been learning? What are some of the steps that people should consider to prepare for a life, to live an everyday life to where they can prepare proactively? Um, I think, first of all, again, there is a lot of value to thrift and to finding ways to be in a community without competing over material goods. And like I was thinking with, with what's happening on the East Coast, that I think has been the most inspiring lesson is that people are working together. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I think you need to diversify, and that means internationally. That means in terms of, you know, your retirement. That means in terms of making sure that your house, to the extent you can, that your house is not your only financial asset, mm-hmm. um, and that that alone can give you some protection because real estate markets go up and down. The stock market goes up and down. And if you're spread out a little bit, then you're in a better position long term. And the third thing is to pay attention to what's happening in the world because it is interesting. 
And we're a much more global world. We're much more interconnected than we've ever been, and that means there's a certain responsibility to understanding what's happening if you're going to be able to make plans. Right. You're right. And, and to go to those channels that uh, can mm-hmm. teach you that. They ought to start a channel with education on all that. Mm-hmm. Anne, why don't you start that? <laughs> Do your own channel, and get, get the education out there. <laughs> In my spare well, time. Well, thank you, and then and, and go. People can go to www.anlogue.com yes. and learn more about it. You're a stock analyst also, mm-hmm. and uh, you've been a graduate with an MBA. You, got it, we can, you have a lot to teach us. Mm-hmm. Okay, and well, I wish you. you well with your books. Thank you for having me on the show. And you be well, Anne. Have a nice day. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, today we've been learning about common sense. And remember, there's so much about our planet Earth here that we're living with. But try, don't make it so complicated. There's something about the river flow. And when you flow with the obstacles that you have, Sometimes during the good days, we forget about what's coming, and we need to be a little more proactive with our health. And if you're healthy, you can handle anything. So remember, even if you're diagnosed with a symptom that doesn't sound too healthy, you will figure it out. Don't run to the medicine cabinet. Go and study what you need to study about being a healthier person. Get up in the morning, put your feet on the floor, and begin the Health Olympics. You are that important to all of us. We all have a relationship to each other all over the world. And I've even said to the solar system, we on Earth, we have here on Earth the water. They tell us that probably where is the other planet with water? Well, right now we know we have the water. That has to be affecting the solar system with the atmosphere. So to remember, you are that special. I want to thank you for listening today. Embrace your life, embrace somebody else's life, and give your time to help others that are in need. That is so important. You will really find yourself that special person. But earth whispers every day of your life. Do not take it with you. Leave it behind, too. That's how special you are. I want to thank you for listening. I really want to thank Dr. Charles Parker and Logue. I want to thank Polly Featherton, my program director, and Bonnie Mark, our executive secretary to the show, for making these shows possible. And thank World Talk Radio, Voice America, iTunes, for making this possible for me. Thank you for listening. You have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 